Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. We are thrilled to be on the edge, on the precipice of another Premier League season. And it's all kicking off with some Friday free footy, baby. How are we doing, Brian? We're right at the start of the season. It's knocking on our door right this minute. Oh, Bucks, 38 game weeks of FPL and the World Cup ahead of us. Couldn't be more excited. You got some new tunes for the podcast. Super excited about that. Our good buddy, Eamon Sala, a.k.a. Holy Pinto. He dropped the beats, the ones and twos for us. So we're super excited to have some new sounds for you as you follow along with us this season. Uh, make sure to hit, give him a follow on Spotify, Twitter, and Instagram at Holy Pinto. And uh, yeah, he's a good British boy living out in Milwaukee right now and plays shows frequently in the area. So please do give him a listen. Great shout. And thank you again, Eamon. We really appreciate your listenership and your contributions to the podcast and to the banter that we have in our private chat. He's always got something to say that Eamon. So uh, we're glad that he's going to be challenging us once again in the FPL Blues podcast league this season. And uh, another quick plug, please join that um, so we can actually focus on the community questions, which is a lot of what this podcast is going to be about today, heading into game week one. Yeah, great point, Brian. So for M-U-M-S-2, if you want to get into our free league, we're going to have weekly podcast shout outs to the manager of the game week, whoever scores the highest. And additionally, there's going to be some prizes. We're going to have a cup competition at the end of the season, which will have its own trophy, as well as an overall season winner. And we might even think about doing a first half season winner uh, to get the prizes flowing and the engagement going. So without further ado, that's right. That's right. Without further ado, this episode is really all about our followers, the people that are engaging with us on an active basis. So it's all about your questions and our unique take, our perspective on uh, what you're asking, what the FPL community is interested in, and more importantly, what the FPL Blues podcast extended family is interested in going into 2022-2023 season. Brian, let's kick it off. We're excited for y'all to squad ride with us to green arrows ahead. So let's start with Bagdeep's question, who says, should we consider going solo-less for game week one? Ooh, Bucks, that is a big risk. I'll, I'll kick it to you to start us off here because I got some uh, some notes to share with Bag Deep on this one. Yeah, Bags, great question. And this is really a pristine one to open the conversation because right now about 40% of the FPL game is going no Sala. And I think that is a huge bet against the crowd and a really big gamble at this point in time. And there's a number of reasons. So let me just quickly dive into those. First, he's playing a newly promoted side in Fulham and Salah against one of presumably the worst clubs in the league to start out. And you're going to go with someone else. That's a little crazy. I think you're just doing a little too much, being a little too extra uh, to go without Salah for game week one, where moves in perfectly to my number two. He's likely going to be far and away the top captain selection. So not only... Is he Mo Salah and he has a pedigree of excellence in the FPL game, 
but he's going to be captain. So that means he's going to hit you twice as hard as if you were just skipping him in a normal game week where people were captaining KDB or Holland, say game week two. If you went no Salah in game week two, you might escape slightly less punished than if you're skipping him in game week one. So it's it's twice as risky as even you could fear uh, if you're going no Salah. And he is coming into the season in great form once again. He has a history of fast starts, and we saw his pedigree, his talent on full display in the Community Shield. He had a goal and assist against the best defense in the Premier League in Man City. If that was an FPL match, that would have been 13 FPL points. Double that up, 26 points. I mean, you're just wiping that off your team. Um for the sake of balance. And, and that doesn't really compute for me. So with that, I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Brian. Uh, what else do you have to add uh, to talk some sense into bag deep? Yeah. I mean, all valid points, Bucks. I agree with you. Like in general, you want to start the season with proven commodities, right? We haven't had a lot of preseason matches for the top teams, but when you're starting the season, you just want to make sure that you are going with the crowd and you can pick out some differentials as we begin watching more matches and we get more data. If you go without him, you're basically going to be betting against his effective ownership, which is going to be over a hundred percent in game week one due to captaincy. And that could really put you in a hole. Like we said before, you can't win FPL in the first game week, but you can really set yourself back millions and millions of spots. If you go without Salah and he gets a brace versus Fulham. So that would be definitely my advice there. And taking a look, uh, I saw a tweet from As at FF Scout. He dominates in the opening matches. Last year versus Lee or versus Norwich, 17 points. 2021, 20 points versus Leeds. 19, 20, 12 points versus Norwich, 8 versus West Ham, and 11 versus Watford the year before that. This guy is averaging over 13 and a half points per game in game week one, and that is just pure gold for captaincy. So you got to, you got to stick with him in your squad. Brian, you mentioned if he braces, I think it's more likely when he notches at least one and a half returns. <laughs> I'm betting that Liverpool are going to dominate this game. They're going to have most of the possession, most of the attacking uh, output. I think baseline we're expecting three zero Liverpool uh, without really sure. breaking even a major sweat. And I think Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold are essential, at least for game week one. If you want to start getting crazy, game week two is the time to start really digging deep into your pills. But right now, game week one, just go easy breezy. Follow the crowd. You're not going to get hurt. You can't win at game week one, but you definitely can be 100 points behind on your mini league mates if you go wacky, wacky tabacky uh, for game week one <laughs> to start the season out. Yeah, and I think with with Salah as well, like if you don't start with him, how are you going to get him back into your side? Let's say he hat tricks in game week one and then you panic and you're like, oh, no, I have to tear up my team, which the funds are very spread. Then you're already looking at a hit or maybe two hits to bring him back into your side. Whereas if you just start with him, you can always downgrade him to any other player in the game in one move. Right. So that's just a great way to start the season. And based on his form uh, to begin the season last year, we're expecting a lot of the same. So he's a no-brainer. He's the FPL GOAT, the actual greatest of all time for FPL. Can't go without him. Brian, you beat me to it. I was going to say, I've only been playing FPL for two seasons now. This will be my third. But in my experience, no one even comes close to touching one Mo Salah. He is the best 
for FPL I've ever witnessed. And he's really fun to watch also. I mean, we're both Chelsea fans. I don't take a lot of joy in watching Liverpool win, uh, let alone any of the teams that are competing with Chelsea win. But when Mo Salah scores, he just is, he's a bundle of joy to watch. And he's just in the same category as Sun and KDB. These guys are joyful, fun, magical football players. All right. I think that wraps up the Salah question there. Let's go on to another question from Bag Deep. He asks, double up on Arsenal attack, which is the right combination? Bucks, Arsenal have a great opening eight game weeks ahead of them, and they're firing at all cylinders, playing a lot of their first team together, getting a lot of reps in the preseason. They've put up some huge score lines, 4-0, 6-0. You know, they've been scoring goals left and right. What do you think the right combination is between Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, even Odegaard. What are your thoughts here and attacking game week one? Yeah, so Arsenal have been flaming hot. They've been uh, they've been taking a lot of uh, gunpowder uh, into the cannon for the start of preseason, <laughs> and they just look exceptional. And they're banging goals in left and right. I think the easiest and most popular combo to fit in if you're only going to have two Arsenal attackers is. Gabriel Jesus, who's now officially the highest owned FPL player ever at touching 70% ownership uh, through about five and a half million FPL managers. So that's an absurd, absurd level of ownership. So he's pretty much essential. And then I would say that Gabriel Martinelli is locked into that left wing role. Currently, Emil Smith Rowe is out injured and he has not been training. So at least in the early parts of the season, he's almost without competition. So I think he's a lock in my team at 6 million. Great bargain. The real question is, is it worthwhile to triple up on Arsenal's attack and put Saka in as your 8 million pound midfielder? Because we've confirmed that he has penalties and he's also looked exceptional in preseason. So I think that is, in fact, a viable option. I mean, it's crazy to say as a Chelsea fan that Arsenal triple up and attack is a good strategy. But I think they're going to pour in goals this season. And yeah, I, I just think their their style of play is going to be really exciting. Uh, I'm not brave enough to do it. My Arsenal triple up is going to be Gabriel Jesus, Gabriel Martinelli and Aaron Ramsdale. However, I can see the virtues of kind of going cheapy in goal and bringing Saka because he is the penalty kick taker and he has looked exceptional. Yeah, I can't go that far to you're shaking your head. You're like, uh, that's too much Arsenal talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think, again, we we don't want to put too much stock into preseason. Obviously, it helps us form ideas and create a vision of what we think the team may do versus Premier League teams. But they're certainly not going to be scoring four and five goals on a consistent basis versus the top six teams in the Premier League. So I think two of those guys is completely fine. They're so budget friendly. They're very much underpriced across the board at Arsenal. So I think that's something FPL Towers probably messed up a little bit. But I think if you go with Saka and Jesus or Jesus and Martinelli, you're in a good spot. Now, I would say on the penalty kicks, even though Saka did take it in preseason, I was actually looking at a, the last like three or four penalty kicks that have been taken for Arsenal. And every single time the player who actually earned the penalty kick, if it was Martinelli or Saka, took the penalty kick. So I'm kind of curious to see how that plays out. Like I do see a game scenario where 
they actually want to get Jesus into the goals and he actually takes the the penalty kick, even if it's um, coming up. So we'll see. I think it, again, it's a, uh, it's a team that's going to score some goals and two of them definitely valid on the cheap in your starting game week one lineup. You were, you were on a good roll until you said uh, Jesus would take the penalty kicks. That's actually the one part of his game, which is not up to snuff. Uh, he has a pretty poor record of penalty kicks uh, from the spot. Yeah, but just to get, uh, get him career. going, though. Get him get him going in the Premier League. Get him get him a cheapie, you know, especially if they come slow out of the gates versus Crystal Palace, which that's going to be a tough game. I think people are overlooking Palace a bit on that Friday fixture. So uh, I'm expecting maybe a 2-1 um scenario where arsenal pulls out the win but uh it's gonna be cagey i agree i think that's a much tighter matchup than uh people are giving it credit for and i think palace are a plucky team especially we've seen them uh really punch up under patrick Vieira. next up is the final question from bag deep he wants to know if Grealish is worth a punt at man city for seven million and the reason this is so interesting is because Really, Man City have come in with pricing premiums, which is deserved by the league champion. Foden and Mares both come in at $8 million for midfield, but we've seen Grealish has been starting over Foden on the left side. So that could be a really interesting way to get into City's attack while also pocketing an extra $1 million. What do you think about Grealish? Is he uh, making your side, Brian? He is an interesting one at seven million. Obviously, a million pounds cheaper than Mares and Foden. Uh, he's been getting all the minutes starting on the left in the preseason, and part of that though is because Foden, uh, his vaccination status didn't allow him to travel with the team. Uh, same went for John Stones. So I think and Gundawan actually as well. So uh, it's just a scenario where you don't know who's going to rotate in and out. Like press conferences are going to be very vital. I think season long. Foden is probably the most versatile. He could play on the left. He could most likely play on the right. Pep loves him. He could play a false nine if they need to rest Holland. So I think he's the most appealing. But for game week one, the jacketing, it could happen. I think he could easily get a couple assists. I know earlier podcast, Bucks, <laughs> I talked about a dozen assists, right, for uh, for Mr. Jack. And with Holland up front, we've seen them combine at Lambeau Field already for Holland's first goal. You could you could definitely see that. I, I don't think he has enough goal threat though for me personally to to choose him right. And in a city team that's going to put up a lot of a lot of goals, those are the guys who usually get bonus. It, it you'd have to get a hat trick of assists to even get two bonus points or something like that. So not having goals, um, I think there's better options around that price point. Yeah, right now I'm just put off City midfielders. I think the rotation is going to come fast and hard for Pep. He has four fast legit... and hard. You heard it here, Bucks. <laughs> oh, you you broke out the jacketing. I was like, what's going on here? Holy cannoli! <laughs> but Pep really has four quality players between Julian Alvarez, Foden, Mares, and Grealish competing for two spots. So with that, I'm just a complete stay away. I'm going to wait and see. And because of that, I think money is better spent on the sure things like Cancelo, Diaz, and Holland uh, if you're looking for City players in your team. I think going Grealish is getting a little too cute, perhaps. Prediction, what do you think? West, right. Ham, West Ham City, what's the scoreline there? I think it's probably a 3-1 victory for City. Um, they actually play very difficult matches versus West Ham who keep their shape um, and are a very respectable team under Moyes. So I would say 2-1 or 3-1 is most likely going to happen. 
The big thing with City is they've only had three preseason matches. So although they they have the pedigree, they did look rusty in the Community Shield match versus Liverpool. And I expect that to take a few weeks before they're firing on all cylinders. So uh, they have the talent, so they should still eke out the win versus West Ham. You agree? Yeah, they started they started slow last season also. Let's move on. Next question is from LZ Lucas Zena. Is anyone else panicking about passing over KDB in their squad to start the season? Bucks, bucks, bucks. I think you misread that. He asked, is anyone else scared shitless not I... to have KDB to start the season? Let's 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 read the question correctly. <laughs> you can't see my face, but uh, I'm just dreading my daughter hearing this part in the car as we go to camp drop off as I listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, but long story short is yes, I think KDB is a massive threat. He is going to probably compete for the top assist maker this season uh, behind Holland and behind the wingers for city. And if he takes up the same positions he was in the community shield, he's going to be in for a massive breakout season. I mean, he's already one of the best players in the world, but he was playing more advanced or at least as advanced as Holland. And they were really uh, kind of flexing into a four, four, two formation, which is really interesting for pep to roll out in in kind of a, a practice, but important practice round. So uh, I definitely think KDB is a player I'm fearful of. The issue is you can only own so many guys, and he's just the odd man out because he's 0.5 million more expensive than Holland. And I think consensus is Holland is the more explosive pick. Yeah, hard to say. I think KDB is obviously one of the best midfielders in the game. He's aging a little bit. He's 31 years old. And I think Pep is really going to try and have him track back less this season compared to the season's past. He's going to have some of the younger guys do some of the defensive dirty work so he can focus on being the maestro in the front, connecting with Holland and taking his great uh, left and right footed shots on goal. So it's, it's tough to go without him. I think there's a scenario where you could definitely go with KDB next to Salah in your midfield. He's not going to have that Bundesliga cloud shrouding him and his fantasy output he's a proven commodity and he's somebody that is going to really deliver you points anytime he gets an assist he is almost on bonus because of the way he passes and creates other chances so he's just a, a huge bonus magnet as well which we love for those extra points especially when you're evaluating captains yeah i want to shout out one of the best follows on twitter fpl theorist he put out a great chart comparing the average points of the top scoring midfielders, forwards, and defenders. And it turns out that there's just extraordinary value in midfield compared to the forwards over the last few seasons. So if you have cash to splash, I think uh, taking KDB and passing on Holland, it might be a great bet to start the season. It's very bold and it is kind of swerving the masses, but if history proves anything, KDB is a top, top, top tier talent, and he does nothing but score FPL returns uh, for the city team. So I, I, I like this idea. And I think Lucas, you could get a pretty nice team with a, a big, big Haas like midfield uh, together and kind of just go Gabriel Jesus up top with some cheapy forwards. Yeah. And taking a look at uh, Corey Cummings question, he asks what we should do with city for game week two already kind of planning for that game with two fixture versus Bournemouth. I mean, that has city written five, zero six, zero. It could be a absolute thrashing. And so having one of those midfielders in your side from city, if you can't fit in the likes of 
KDB, that might be a way to go, but it's it's definitely a press conference, wait and see type of thing before that game week two starts. Scott Parker is currently the manager of Bournemouth, and in his most recent press conference, he said that he only has two fully fit first team defenders going into the start of the season. <laughs> I mean, if that isn't reason for panic stations when they're about to travel in game week two to the Etihad to play in front of the city fans for Holland's debut, for their debut as Premier League champions as the kind of coronation, I think that is going to be a baptism by fire, by goals, because we're going to see that net be put to the test uh, behind the Bournemouth keeper uh, in that match against City. And I think that you'd be fearing not going without at least one City attacker in that matchup. Yeah. And how would you rank the actual other assets, Bucks, you know, between Grealish, Foden, uh, Mares and Alvarez for a city attacker in that game week if we're going to plan for a huge up a huge riot of goals. Yeah, so in order of kind of best to worst, I think Holland, KDB are the clear one and two. I think because it's early in the season, I think that a punt on Mares is this is the time to do it. Um, again, Foden is not fully fit. He has not gotten uh, the most minutes in preseason due to not being able to travel with the team to the States. So I think I would back Mares over Foden. And then I would say probably, I really liked what I saw out of this Alvarez kid. I would probably say Mares, Foden, Alvarez, Grealish. And um, interesting. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, I I'm, think that I'm not so sold on Grealish as we've talked about. Yeah, I'd have to disagree there just based on Pep's history of bringing in new players into the squad and starting them right away. Like they paid 100 million pounds for Grealish and it took him two months before he started starting consistently. So Alvarez is going to be a super sub coming in quite a bit. Um, so I do like Mares as as the punt. I started last FPL season with him and he started three out of four matches and, and got a, a good smattering of points. So I think he's actually more valuable before Champions League starts because he's the preferred starter in Champions League when they have some of those matches. And so then we'll see Alvarez mix in, you know, post game week four or five when UCL starts, and then he's a little bit more embedded in the team and Pep uh, understands what he can bring to the table. So I think you're right. Now is the time to punt on Mares, but still a gigantic punt, unfortunately. But he's he's quality when he he gets the minutes. Yeah, next question comes from Uzi. He asks, where do we think we're going to find the most value? Premium defenders, premium midfielders, or premium strikers? And Brian, I'll let you touch on this. I know I alluded to uh, what I and FPL theorists think, uh, but what's what's your what's your pick? Like we've discussed in our preview pods, big at the back is where the value oh, is. Baby. Uh, oh, with that baby. being said, it's just such a different season because we're really looking at it in four quarters. And so there will be purple patches where we'll see some of these 8.0 midfielders really hit form and get double digits consistently. But timing that is all about their fixture run. So if you're going to look at the season as a whole, we're going to see a lot of these top defenders really crack 175 points um, between the likes of Cancelo, Rabo, Trent. Hopefully, James, if he can stay fit, um, they're going to get a lot of points. But I do think that, um, you know, there's always some bandwagon midfielders that emerge. Last year, Bowen came out of nowhere, right? He was priced at 6.5, and he ends up with over 200 points. 
there will be a player of that caliber that emerges this season for FPL. I think a lot of people are kind of eyeing somebody like Rashford if the Ronaldo situation gets um, gets less murky. So you want to be prepared to jump on one of those bandwagons in the early going of the season because they could really skyrocket in price and that helps you build team value down the line where you will be wildcarding only in a couple of game weeks. So all the point ones that you can build in value really help uh, when we're looking at an early wildcard, potentially between game week six to 10. Excellent call out on the value building in the early season uh, strategy. Uh, just Uzi, in regards to value, it really depends on how you look at it. I think hard to bet against the midfield uh, and the premiums that exist in that position. I think because of that, the top scoring player in the game will likely be one of those premium midfielders. However, from a value per million in the FPL game perspective, I think most of that value exists in the premium wingback position. Um, so TAA, Rabo, Cancelo, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, even Perisic and Doherty, Trippier. I think all those players are going to score much more than their kind of counterparts in forward and midfield at those same price points. So because of that, I think I validate what you're saying, Brian. I think big at the back is a really great strategy. And also you can just go four of those top premium defenders. And we have two playing extra budget options at 4 million in Nico Williams and Nathan Patterson uh, that are going to be playing defenders. So there's tons of avenues to really attack this season. It's really just you got to play your own game. So uh, Uzi, wishing you best of luck to start the season. But for both Brian and I, big at the back, baby. All about that peach booty. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Andrew Steinberg asks a pretty broad question, but one we definitely want to touch on, which is what are some of the possible dark horses or budget-friendly starters that have not been mentioned on each of our podcasts so far? So Bucks, huge developments here for the goalkeeper situation at Leicester, as we see Schmeichel after 11 seasons finally depart. He is out of here. And that means we actually have two 4.0 keepers at Leicester. Very interesting uh, proposition here because usually you kind of go as cheap as you can in goalie and just hope that they get a couple saves and get you a three or a six. Um, but going for 8 million total, and they're probably not going to sign another goalkeeper from the looks of it, Bucks. What are you thinking here? Yeah, official as of today, Casper Schmeichel is making a move to Nice. Um, really nice move for him and the lifestyle change, but uh, really, really, really interesting play for Leicester because uh, a number of their players in the last week or so have really started to uh, materialize as transfer rumors bubble up. I mean, Madison potentially moving to Newcastle, that kind of came out of left field. Uh, Fofana has been rumored to Chelsea. Now he's being rumored to Man City potentially. So there's a lot of people that are plucking around the edges of that Leicester team. And I just wonder what's going on because Casper uh, Schmeichel leaving this close to the season, that is a really bold move for Leicester to go into a Premier League season without a true proven number one keeper. when. For the last four seasons, they were competing for Champions League spots. Not just, uh, you know, they won the league in that historic fashion, but they really have been one of the best clubs. So for them to take almost a full punt on the first few game weeks seems very bizarre. And uh, it's great for us FPL managers, this Ward and Iverson double up. 
both 4 million keepers, Ward is going to get the start in game week one, uh, at least according to Brendan Rodgers and his press conference. So he's a must in your team. Get out Gazaniga, get out Steel, get this Danny Ward guy in. He is going to be a playing 4 million keeper uh, a la Ben Foster last season. Yeah, he's going to try and ward off as many goals as he can, Bucks. <laughs> and I uh, know that's a good dad joke for you there. But he's he's actually the starting keeper for Wales and has done a great job for them over a lot of their international um, competitions. And Brennan Rogers really rates him. He said, we have another we have a number one waiting to step up once Schmeichel is left. And I don't think they're going to sign another um, player in the window in the keeper slot. So this is a unique. Opportunity. I agree because they got bit, they got a lot of other problems. They got a lot of yeah, other exactly. problem areas. And it's a bit of a gamble to go with both of those and only invest 8.0 into your keeper situation. But again, we're going to wildcard early. If it becomes a clear cut mistake, then you can you can definitely fix that. But it's a unique scenario that I haven't actually seen before and uh, kind of surprised that they both got priced at 4.0. Um, okay, moving forward, Bucks. Let's talk about a couple uh, of the defender picks. I know you men mentioned Nathan Patterson at Everton. He's 4.0. He's had a couple assists in preseason. I think long-term, Nico Williams is probably a better fit at uh, NFO. But what's your take on Patterson? Is he in your squad? He's not because I've really doubled down on the premium defender. So I'm skipping the $4 million, uh spot for defense entirely. But I think that he is going to earn that spot. He's a young, promising player. Lampard likes to give appearances and minutes to young talent. And Patterson is that. He is the future of the club. Coleman, who is out injured right now and has been the team captain that he's competing with, is the past. And I think if Everton have any chance of staying up this season, they need to get a little wild and crazy and be bold. And Patterson is leaning into that bold play. Um one other name I do want to just throw out as a kind of dark horse value option is one Lewis Dunk. He's 4.5 million. I'm not seeing a lot of Brighton players in fantasy. That might be because they're kind of boring, but Lewis Dunk is a captain. He is nailed. He's going to be starting and probably playing close to 90 minutes each and every game week. And he does have goals in him. He takes some free kicks. He's a beast on set pieces from his size. So I really rate that. And I would rather have Dunk in my team than Sanchez, uh, both coming in at 4.5 million. And I think that Dunk is the standout 4.5 option uh, for me uh, when I'm looking at the at the mess that is 4.5 defenders. Yeah, I think there's definitely a few options. There's also Johnny at Wolves, Eight Nori. Those guys are both 4.5 and they have a really easy set of fixtures to start the season. So you could go there. Originally, Tamiyasu was somebody that we were thinking might get the nod, but he's been banged up in preseason and we don't know how sturdy his minutes are going to be. So uh, definitely something to watch. We've actually seen Ben White kind of slide into that right back role and have Saliba play the right center back position next to Gabriel. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works. Maybe Ben White won't be as good of a pick this year because of Saliba. Um, so just something to watch as they continue to have great fixtures. Yeah, two more names I just want to throw into the mix. One is Vladdy C. Vladimir Sufal on West Ham. Vladimir. I think he's massively slept on. He's 
about 1% ownership right now at 4.5 million. And it's just the Man City fixture that comes first for West Ham, I think is putting a lot of managers off. He has great upside, gets forward a lot, and has a lot to prove this season going into the World Cup where he was kind of ravaged by injury and fell out of favor last season. So he's one punt. And then another is Delo on Man United. He's I'm surprised his ownership isn't higher considering how many Man United fans there are in the world and in FPL. He's hovering around 5% right now, also 4.5 million. And he's just locked in uh, to be the starter for United. He gets forward a lot and Juan Basaka is not long for this club. So the low is going to lock down that spot this season. I think he could be a great value. Yeah, definitely a wait and see with United, but they have a bunch of assets that have all taken price drops due to their awful season last year. And I think they will come into the fold at some point this FPL season. All right, let's take a look at a few more options in the midfield with Jimenez out. Let's talk about Wolves. Neto, 5.5. He's to over 20% owned for a good reason. He's had a good preseason. Might play some false nine. But Potence is also priced at 5.5. And he's uh, a player that usually gets hurt very easily, but he's very Super Mario-like with his five-foot frame running out running around out there and he can finish pretty well with uh with his feet too so um anything here to see bucks do you like those 5.5 million pounds midfielders at wolves or do you like other guys at that 5.5 price so i think the wolves guys are standouts based on the fixtures uh you mentioned netto and potence i'd also put in gibbs white he might play a bit on the wing and he's been pretty attacking so i like uh all three of those guys as potential uh kind of budget enablers. Aronson, the American at Leeds, he had a hat trick of assists in preseason. He looked really spark, sparkly. And uh, then the duo at Palace, I also want to make sure to shout out Olise and Eze. They're both 5.5 million, specifically Olise. I think he is the, um, the better of the two, but Eze has really ticked on in preseason and then the last two, um, we're seeing a lot of them right now. Leon Bailey, 5 million. He's gotten confidence from the manager that he will be starting in game week one against Bournemouth. We mentioned Bournemouth don't have any fit defenders. So choo-choo, get on the Bailey bandwagon right yeah, away. Perfect, perfect scenario. Perfect scenario to start the season. He should be a shoo-in into your side, whether you're starting him or just having him as your first bench. He's a player that they paid, again, 35 million pounds for last season had an injury riddled season and they dropped his price by way too much. So he's definitely Agreed. in my side for game week one. And then just to yeah. shout out a few forwards before we uh, take a break here, Brian and Bomo at Brentford. He's obviously a player that's played well in preseason. If when they play a four, four, two next to Tony, he usually hits the post, but at 6 million could be interesting. Ouch. And then um, Solanke at Bournemouth, if they have any hopes of staying up, he's going to be their main man. He's on pens also 6.0 and then A1E at NFO he is also 6.0 I think these are three kind of uh, dark horse players that could really become options uh, at some point this season for us but not for game week one in my opinion all right let's take another break when we come back we'll predict the first 10 matches of the Premier League excited to have fixtures back in action bucks arsenal versus crystal palace i know we already talked about maybe a 2-1 kg victory there on friday and then we wake up early to watch our captain play versus fulham 
bright and early on the West Coast. I'm going to get zero sleep for the next 38 game weeks. Kicks off at 4.30 in the morning, but you got to back Liverpool to destroy Fulham, right? There is a rule in FPL that in general, it's best to swerve the kind of early fixture uh, captaincy. However, Salah is going to blow the doors off that old wives' tale because I think Liverpool <laughs> are coming in. They're going to stomp Fulham. I think it's going to be 4-0, and that might be being generous to Fulham. Yeah, I see goals left and right in this match. I just see no way that Fulham, um, even at home, puts up much resistance here. Um, you know, I the only thing that worries me in some of these big blowout games is that the defenders fall asleep a little bit and they they're up four zero and then they let a cheeky one in to Fulham to Mitrovic in like the 84th minute and then your clean sheets wiped. So uh, that's the only thing that gives me a little pause there. But absolutely, we're both backing solid for captaincy um, there. Yeah, and I'm back in the clean sheet. I'm on double Liverpool defense uh, at this moment in time. Next up is Villa against Bournemouth. This is the first of the 10 o'clock window for me, 6 a.m. for you, Brian. Um, and I think Villa, you know, they're traveling to the promoted side, Bournemouth. But I think this is another blowout. I think uh, best case for Bournemouth, 3-1 to Villa. Yeah, Villa should be very geared up to start the season off with Gerard as the manager. Last year was kind of a wash. They tried a number of different combinations. So we're expecting them to be a little bit more solid. They have Diego Carlos now in the center back position. And then Mings and Kansa seem to be rotating next to him. So um, we're expecting a pretty good performance from Villa in this one. Next up is Wolves traveling to Leeds. I, I'm at a loss for this Anything one. Goes. I, Anything goes in this one. I, I actually think that Leeds are going to win this match. Um, it's in front of their home crowd and they are going to be massively on one uh, having stayed up in the... They're going to be massively on one, having stayed up in the Premier League for this season, and the excitement is going to be rippling through the stadium. And I think it's going to translate to performances on the pitch. So I think Leeds are going to win this one 2-1. Plus Patty B back in action. He's going to be geared up and ready to go and hopefully have a huge bounce back season. All right, Newcastle versus NFO. Forrest finally back in the Premier League. I have no idea about this team. Haven't watched them much, so I'm very keen to get a good I test on them and see what players stand out. But for now, you'd have to back Newcastle at home. And I'm expecting maybe a 2-0 victory for Newcastle here and keep a clean sheet. I was going to say 2-0. I think Newcastle are one of the locks for a clean sheet in game week one. But the player that I'm going to have my eyes on the most in this match is Jesse Lingard. I really want to see how he fits in in the Spore system. He has really not been featured at all in preseason due to his late arrival in the transfer market for them. So I think he's one to watch six million pounds in the FPL game. And we've seen him make moves to West Ham and really immediately hit the ground running. So I think Forrest, uh, they'll need him to really uh, perform like that uh, from, from Jump Street. Yeah, the next match I will be watching from behind my couch, which is going to be <laughs> putting a lot of fear into my FPL soul Tottenham versus Southampton. This one is going to be tough to watch without Kane or son or uh, this one, you know, much of last season, I had both of them in my squad and we had a triple up at some point on Tottenham. And so this one's going to be tough. I think they could be three zero to Spurs and I have none of their assets currently in my squad. So very concerning. 
I think 3-0 is a little flattering to Southampton. I could easily see this getting out of hand and being 6 or 7 oh, nothing. Wow. Oh. But I think my bet is I I think my bet is it, it's going to be 4-0 and uh Hasenhutl, he doesn't know how to change his tactics. He's going to play that high line and Sun is the player that really uh makes my butthole clench up uh when I'm going to be watching this game. Oh man, that lemon booty bucks. It it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. All right. Uh Everton versus Chelsea. Very tough news for Everton as Fat Frank loses DCL in training for a undisclosed knee injury. We're waiting to hear more information there. This has got to be a clean sheet for Chelsea, and they need to get off to a hot start here. I'm thinking 2-0 to Chelsea, but it's uh not gonna be pretty as the Chelsea Blues need a lot of they need a lot more reps, let's just say it like that and put it nicely before we see them firing and putting up three or four goals on a consistent basis. Goodison Park has been a bogey ground for Chelsea over the last four or five seasons, uh, but I think that they right the ship on this opening weekend. Um, the The reality is that Everton do not have a Premier League level side without DCL leading the line. So uh, I think they're going to be really desperate to even put a half chance uh, in on Mendy. And so with that, I actually brought Reese James and I'd been completely off Chelsea defense, but uh, I think this game is now going to really flatter Chelsea's system and the results are going to, are going to show that I think two zero is also the right, right bet. Next up Brentford yeah. travel to Leicester. I'm not sure what's going to happen in this one. Obviously, like we said, Leicester is a bit in a state of flux, but I'm hoping my boy Danny Ward, who I plan to start in game week one, oh my can, God, can get me a 4.0 clean sheet versus Brentford. Uh, I think they actually signed um, one of the Danish fellows, uh, Damsgaard, who played really well in the Euros for for um, the their team, the national team. So interesting signing for them because they're looking to recreate some of the creativity that Ericsson brought a other Danish player brought last season. So I think that's a good signing for them. But at this point in time, Brentford had a bad preseason. I'm going to go Leicester 2-1. Wow, I'm going to take the other side. I think this is going to be a goal fest. I think it's 3-2 Brentford over Leicester. Uh, but I could also see it Whoa, being 3-3. I think this could be one of the... The predicted draws. So let's. Uh, I'm going to change it up. Two two. I think this is going to be a draw, and it's going to be a really fun match. Next up, Brighton travel to Old Trafford to face off against Ronaldo Ten Hag. Who's gonna Who's gonna even be on the pitch for Man United? Who's gonna be leaving uh, with 60 minutes? Uh, on the clock and still a whole half hour yikes, and the yikes. results still in question. Yikes. Uh, this is a tough one to, to, uh, to take us to task on. I think two, one United. I'm going to go with a draw one, one in this one. I think it's a disappointing match. I think Brighton actually have a lot of question marks now without Basuma who went to Spurs. And then just today, the announcement of Cucurella going to Chelsea. Um, they're huge defensive talents that they have lost. Uh, the system will still be there, but I think this one could be a, a pretty sloppy 1-1 as the CR7 thing just kind of looms over them, and uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, all right, last one, Bucks. I love that the final match of the game week is going to be West Ham versus City, and we're going to have all eyes on how Holland plays. 
it's interesting that most of the best teams outside of Spurs or the projected best teams outside of Spurs are playing away in game week one. So I think there's going to be a lot of FPL managers with a mostly away starting 11 um, city. They travel to play against the hammers. I think this is going to be three, one to city. Yeah. I like that shout bucks. And uh, you know, those players who go with Spurs, they're the real main team um, in the top six that actually plays at home. So might be a missed opportunity for some, but all right, let's get out of here, Bucks. I'm excited to have matches back. We'll actually be able to talk about results on the pitch rather than us droning in and out about what we think might happen and who we think might be a good pick. We're going to have some definitive stats, some score sheets to go through, uh, benchings, 59, 59th minute appearances. Can't wait to go through it all next pod. Yeah, there's going to finally be green arrows that we're going to be earning uh, when we come to the podcast to preview game week two. Follow us on social media. We're at FPL Blues Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram. And please get involved in our mini league, Four Mums Two, the number four M U M S two. It's going to be a great season, and we can't wait to share it with all of you guys. All right. Happy tinkering. Please feel free to send us your drafts. As we approach the deadline, we're happy to give our insight wherever we can and your different options in your team. I know Bucks and I are still kind of figuring out the final touches on ours. Stay posted on our social to see what we roll out the game. Thanks, everyone.